the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Parents Toe. In an era of chaos, confusion, and craziness, Parents is a voice for common sense. As a financial literacy educator, speaker, and entrepreneur, Parents cuts through the noise to help us understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Now, here's Parents Toe. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Parents. You know, if you were listening to the show last week, you know I was pretty fired up and angry, frankly about the debt ceiling deal. And I think there's a lot of reasons behind it, valid ones of why I was so um, so upset. Because, you know, the, the, the two key things that I um, discussed last week was really was the fact that the amount of spending didn't go, did not go down. The level of spending is continuing at the inflated levels that we saw starting, you know, in the 2023 levels, the COVID levels. And by the way, folks, um, you know, our federal government is about 40 percent larger today than it was even a couple of years ago before COVID started because of all this additional uh, spending. OK, and to see this higher, extremely higher level of spending after all the increases we've seen over the last several decades, frankly, is just infuriating and makes absolutely no sense from a financial responsibility standpoint, certainly, you know, in a freedom standpoint for Americans, you know, more government means less freedom, okay? It's just that simple. Unfortunately, not everyone understands that. And I, uh, sometimes I wonder even if the majority of people in this country understand that. In fact, I was talking to uh, a client of mine, say this gentleman, you know, he's relatively conservative, I would say, or, or fiscally responsible certainly he mentioned he goes why were you uh, why were you so upset about the uh, debt ceiling deal because as he stated isn't it just they're agreed to spend the money that they've already allocated or at uh, agreed you know agreed to spend right and i said that's the message that we're hearing from the legacy media the reality is it's a better analogy is and as i explained this to him it under, he understood what i was saying the better analogy is we have approximately about $32 trillion in debt, the federal debt currently. And this debt ceiling agreement, for one, agreed to spend an additional $4 trillion over the next couple of years. What that means straight up is in two years from now, we'll have $36 trillion in debt. So in other words, not only is the federal government spending, they're spending the money that they're receiving, but they're spending an additional roughly trillion per year over and above what they're receiving, okay? And I said, the better analogy isn't that that they're agreeing to spend the money that's already been allocated. The better analogy is this. It's like you went and bought a property. And let's say this house was, well, frankly, a little bit beyond your means financially. But you signed the contract and you agreed to you that you were going to go ahead and purchase this property. You hadn't pulled the trigger yet and you have, a, you have an out clause in your contract that you could walk away from it without any negative downside, okay, financially. And so I said, the reality is, yes, you've signed the contract and agreed to spend the money that you, frankly, really can't afford to spend. So you had an option. You had a choice. You could have walked away from that deal and just not spent those additional dollars. Or go ahead and sign it and move forward and, frankly, probably find yourself in a financial, well, a bad financial situation. And he said, that makes a lot of sense. I said, that's really, really what this debt ceiling battle was about. You had the Freedom Caucus members and the, pa the House actually passed a bill that was going to bring the spending levels back to 2022 levels, which were significantly less than the 2023 levels that were agreed upon but had not been allocated or spent yet. And like I said, why I'm so frustrated is these 2023 levels are inflated significantly higher than, say, 2022 was. Yet, this debt ceiling deal 
is now enshrined that higher level of spending now for the next two years. And that means we've enshrined $36 trillion of debt. Now, to make matters even worse is they eliminated the debt ceiling. There is no cap until January of 2025. Now, that is the part that really concerns me the most because you have a situation here where Pretty, yeah, more Democrats than Republicans voted for this on both the House and Senate side, by the way. And this was supposedly McCarthy's deal, the McCarthy-Biden deal, right? And McCarthy was initiating that and, and seemed to be the one in control, but obviously the end result was not, that was not the case. But what I'm concerned about is without having a limit, it's, it's like a credit card company gives you a credit card and you have no limit. No spending limit. Now, somebody who's fiscally responsible would be able to would handle that. And they're not going to overspend because they understand eventually at some point they got to pay that back, right? Well, our, fund, our federal government and our representatives that we have up there right now, or at least the majority of them, I'm going to say about two-thirds roughly, have no fiscal responsibility. I don't trust them at all. And this latest bill, this latest agreement just further confirms that. These are people who are willing to spend historical, I mean, uh, historical levels of money. We're talking levels, debt levels and amounts of money that we have never seen any country spend in human history. We are breaking new territory. We're breaking new ground. We, we don't know where, what's really going to happen because no one's ever done this before to this extent. The reality is because... These are people that are have no fiscal discipline, have no fiscal responsibility, and choose repeatedly, repeatedly to continue to spend more and more and more money. They've now given themselves, in effect, an unlimited credit card, an unlimited cap, spending cap. What is going to stop them trying to maximize the spending? In other words, and they have a two-year window over here where they could just Go for broke. Most Democrats have proven, if not all, repeatedly to be ferocious spenders. They'll spend just about whatever you'll, they think they can get away with. And unfortunately, about half of the Republicans are willing to go along with it for the most part. Some people refer them to the rhinos or the uniparty or whatever you want to call it, but they're, they're certainly not fiscal they're, they're certainly not fiscally responsible in any way, shape, or form. And so why, again, and if you missed it last week's show and you want to hear a fiery retort on the debt ceiling, and, and to be fair, I was angry. I was going to apologize for being so passionate about it, but I thought about it and realized, no, those were my real and true feelings, and I still feel the same way. It's just a week later, I've had a chance to calm down a bit, if you know what I'm saying, the emotional side of it, and think about it a little further. And if anything, folks, I like the deal probably even less than I did last week. The other part of it is there's, a, there's some spending caps, supposedly, like 1% per year on non-defense spending for the next couple of years. But again, there's this unlimited debt ceiling cap. So how are those two things going to play out? Well, I looked into this a little further. When you realize the implications of what this debt ceiling, which is now law, it has in it, it's, it's chilling. And here's what I mean by it. So supposedly there's like a 1% spending caps for the next two years. And then the following two years, there's a suggestion, quote unquote, to only increase spending by 1%. It's non-binding. So in other words, that, you know, that's like spitting in the wind. I mean, come on. There's no point to that. Why even bother putting it in there? But whatever. The next two years, supposedly, there's a 1% spending cap. But there's an exception to the rule. They've, they put an escape clause in there, so to speak, for themselves. And that escape clause happens to be that the, I think it's the Office of Budget Management. Don't quote me on that one. But it's, a, it's a, an administrative position, a Biden appointee by the way, who can override the 1% spending cap. I haven't heard anyone discuss this, 
But why is a an unelected bureaucrat allowed to make the decision? I, I don't see anywhere in the Constitution where spending is allowed to be increased by an unle- unelected bureaucrat. The purse strings, the spending is supposed to be the job of the House. The House of Representatives controls spending. Any spending that happens is supposed to go through that. Now, again, I'm not happy with the majority of the representatives. They certainly don't represent me, a fiscal, fiscally responsible person. By the way, if you are a fiscally responsible person, about one-third of the representatives in Washington represent you, and the other two-thirds don't. Think about that for a minute. That is really the, <laughs> by the way, if you think that through for just a minute, that gets to the solution to the problem. But before I get there, I'll get back to it in a second. An unelected bureaucrat can choose, can decide to spend more money. And that bureaucrat is appointed by the Biden administration. What faith do you have in that person, whoever it is? I have no idea who it is. But what faith or what faith do you have in them to not inc- decide to waive the limit and increase spending? Me personally, none. Zippo. Nada. I have no faith whatsoever that they would refrain themselves. In fact, I think it'd be the opposite. They, at any opportunity, they would take any opportunity possible to go ahead and increase spending and override that 1% limit, quote-unquote, that's put in place that they, can, they have the right to override. Folks, in my opinion, it's completely and totally unconstitutional. I haven't heard anyone discuss that at all. And if it was challenging court, I don't know what would happen, how it would, how it would play out, even if it got challenged. Because Congress passed the law and, the, and Biden signed it. So I'm not sure how that would play out in the courts. But it certainly goes, if it's not illegal, again, or I should say not constitutional, if it's not unconstitutional, it's certainly against the intent of the Constitution, which placed the House, again, as responsible, the purse strings. That's where the decisions are supposed to be made. Now, I alluded to it earlier. I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned in the next segment, and I'm going to discuss a little bit about what is the solution? What, how can this be fixed ultimately? So stay tuned. Don't miss it. Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferentz Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferentz at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferentz Toth. Welcome back to Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference, and I'm still discussing this debt ceiling deal. And, and the reason behind it, by the way, and I'm going to get to the, solu- the true solution here in a, in a few minutes here, but the reason I'm so adamant about this is this affects our lives directly, economically. The biggest immediate key that I can share with you that how it affects us directly has to do with inflation. One of the biggest drivers of inflation is government spending, excessive government spending, too much government spending. And the government has just enshrined historical levels of, of spending for the next two years. If inflation is largely caused by the government spending too much money, and the government is now continuing to spend record levels of money. In other words, they're not pulling back in any way at all. What is that going to do to inflation going forward? The value of the dollar, all those kinds of things. The obvious answer is higher inflation for longer, okay, which means most likely the Federal Reserve trying to fight inflation is going to have to keep interest rates higher for longer. If excessive levels of government spending, as we know, going to continue for the next two years based on this current deal, then how much longer is inflation going to last? Well, (laughs) 
we're going to see, aren't we? We're going to have to wait and see. But this is why in previous shows I've even said, look, once inflation gets started, it's a, one of those genies that's really hard to put back in the bottle. And I, I said this already months ago um, that I'm not, ex- I'm, I'm not predicting this, and I hope this is not true, but I would not be surprised if we had some type of, um, well, how should I say, some type of repeat of the 1970s. And if you go back and look at history, economic history, you'll see that inflation started in the early 1970s because of the oil embargo. It, it receded to some degree, but then came back roaring back several times until you know, Paul Volcker of the Federal Reserve finally brought interest rates up to 20% and killed it. But it took a decade, folks. Start to finish, the process was about a decade. So I stated, based on the current leadership that we're dealing with, and I'm talking about in, in both parties, pretty much the entire Democratic Party, they're all over, all, they all spend too much, and about half of the Republican Party spends too, too, or is willing to spend too much. The rhinos, the, the folks who are not fiscally responsible. So about two-thirds of our representatives, look at any of the, uh, l- look at any of the votes on, on spending, and you'll see it's roughly one-third, two-thirds, Okay. They're just willing to continue to spend and spend and spend, all right? So as long as that continues, we're going to be facing or dealing with higher-than-average inflation. And unless they can get their act together, and clearly so far they're not, and we got another two years of this, could we end up with another decade in terms of inflation rates similar to what we saw in the 1970s? Folks, I wouldn't be surprised, but we'll see. So... That's why I'm so frustrated, because I understand this is going to hurt people economically. Truly, and there's, there's no two ways about it. It's going to hurt a lot of people economically. Now, I stated this earlier. This is not, this is not a personal situation that frustrates me. It's, I understand this in general, and with clients I deal with and people I deal with, that they're hurting economically and continuing to do so and will continue to do so more and more as time goes, as prices of things continue to rise, all right? Look, in terms of the personal bank concept and what I deal with, you know, it's an it's an, it's a interest rate-sensitive asset. We're going to see higher dividends as we go forward. What I deal with will get stronger and stronger with guarantees, tax-free, all that. We're going to see higher and higher returns. We'll see more and more positive arbitrage, positive cash flow. So in terms of the personal bank concept and what I do for a living and what I do to help clients, it will just continue to get stronger and stronger through this this period. Um, if we go back in history, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, in a normal interest rate environment, 7 8% dividends was normal. You go back into the 70s where you had the high interest rates, you know, double-digit dividends was the norm, okay? So if this continues, we'll see that type of thing again. So what I help people do will continue to improve. Again, people flock to safety with economic uncertainty. Higher interest rates will create higher dividends, so it'll be more profitable as time goes. We'll likely see higher taxes in the future. Now, this particular debt ceiling deal did not include any tax increases, but who knows what's going to happen in the future, right? Next two, three years, down the road, five years, whatever. My point is simple. What I do for a living, it, it always it's always works. Diversification, tax-free, guarantees, um, you know, positive cash flow, all those kind of good things are always popular. It gets more so <laughs> when we have higher inflation, higher interest rates, econo- more economic uncertainty, things like that. I understand right now, while the real estate market's really starting to struggle, no question. Uh, the stock market, you know, we're seeing some, uh, some areas that are doing really well, like in the tech, they call it the tech bubble, we'll see. Um, but a lot of it isn't, okay? And we're going to see what happens. I, I'm, I'm not going to predict, but all I'm going to say is when, when you have high interest rates and higher inflation, generally speaking, that's pretty bad for the stock market and certainly for the real estate markets, right? Where, which is where a lot of people grew, have grown wealth, say, over the last decade or so. My prediction is going to change, and it's going to change dramatically over time 
significantly different the next decade. When we look back on this, people are going to say, holy cow, we'll look at the difference in the decades, right? Almost like those of you old enough to remember the 1970s versus the 1980s. No question, economically speaking, and what assets were were strong and, and did well versus what did not do so well, dramatically different decades. Again, history doesn't repeat itself, but as Mark Twain says, it certainly rhymes. And I would not be surprised if we saw sort of a repeat, if you will, of the 1970s decade, then, then going into a 1980s decade, except in reverse this time. <laughs> Last decade, we with easy monetary policy, low interest rate environment, all that, no question real estate and stock markets did really well in that easy money, low interest rate environment. I don't believe that's we're going to see that similar case this decade. We're going to see interest rate sensitive assets shine this decade. And your personal bank is definitely one of those. It's going to shine and do really, really well. I believe that. I firmly do. Look at history. You know, it's just, it's just that simple. It's not rocket science, folks. I was, I was going to say, and I kind of got off track a bit, the solution, the true solution to this government overreach, over, because overspending just leads to overreach and more fraud and more waste, no question. The real solution is educating, education of people, just like I did with that uh, client of mine today, where, again, good person, generally, you know, fiscally con- responsible, it was does probably not I would say probably not that politically um paying it doesn't pay attention that close attention to things just kind of hears things like I used to do <coughs> my I was guilty myself of that so I'm not picking on him I was guilty of my, of of that myself a couple 3 years ago until you know as I said something woke me up and that's what that's the solution where we get enough people to re- wake up and realize Hey, this stuff, this spending that the government's doing is impacting me in a negative way. It's affecting my pocketbook. It's affecting my ability to buy food, gas, mortgages, rent, purchase vehicles, you name it. As more and more people realize that the value of their dollar and they have to keep working more and more, harder and harder, or make more and more just to maintain the same 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 uh you know uh living you know the the main uh what am i trying to say here i'm having a uh <laughs> but you know live their they, their lifestyle maintain their lifestyle right they have to keep doing more just to to maintain not everyone's going to be able to do that so we're going to fall back as more and more people realize that and they realize the cause that's the key to the education. What is the cause? Why, why, are, why are food prices continuing to increase why are, on a regular basis? Why is everything costing more than it used to? And by the way, is that the longer that drags on, the more detrimental it is? Because even if the rate of increases slow down, like I talked about in a previous show, and by the way, if you want to listen to any of the previously recorded shows, go to yourpersonalbeg.com, our website, and you can listen to any of the previously recorded shows. The point I was making is, even though your rate of increase might be declining, which is the, has been the case recently, you're still building on top of previous increases. So if last year's increase was, say, 7%, and this year's was 5 you have to add the 5 and the 7 together, and that gives you the combined total increase. And by the way, that would be 12% increase from two years ago. You see what I'm trying to say. So if the third year you get another, say, 4% increase, you've now, you know, you're at 16% increase from three years ago. You see what I'm trying to get at. It's that kind of cumulative total that builds on itself is where really hurts people. And I've heard this stated. I, I stated this in the first segment. Our federal government has increased in size by 40% over the last two years. Has your income increased by 40% in the last two years? And if the answer is no, you should be against the government increasing at that type of level far greater than most people's income has increased over the last two years. That's called financial responsibility, folks. And the solution is 
we wake up, we the people, by the way, 51% of us wake up, not everyone, just 51%, wake up and say enough is enough, no more, and our, ma- mandatory require our representatives to be fiscally responsible. And if they're not, hold their feet to their fire, and if they do not do it, get them out of office. Vote them out. Get somebody in there that will. Stay tuned. The next segment, i got a few other things I need to cover that you don't want to miss. I think you'll find it very, very interesting. Uh, so don't miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferenc Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferenc Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ferenc. And as you know, this last show and today I've been discussing a lot about the debt ceiling and a lot of the reasons behind it, why I think it's so so significant and impactful. And again, it's not even so much this particular debt ceiling deal or agreement that's so egregious. I, I, I completely, I do not like most of it, very little do I like. But it's the combination, it's the cumulative effect of what Washington has been doing. Are, are the politicians that are there, the leaders that we have, have elected and put into place, and unfortunately, in many cases, re-elected, that just continue to spend and spend and spend. And look, I understand why many of them do it, because, you know, here's the reality. If it didn't work, they wouldn't do it. So they continue doing it because, well, it works, right? It gets them elected or re-elected. You know, Thomas Sowell, I've, I've shared this quote so many times. I think he probably said it best, where he said, you know, politician, most politicians have three priorities. One, get elected. Two, get reelected. Three, every other priority falls far below the first two. And sadly, that's true. And, and sadly, what the majority, about two-thirds at this point, have concluded is the more they spend, the more power they get, the more money they make, the more, the more they increase their ability to get reelected, frankly. And what we, the people, need to demand is, hey, you've got to stop this. You're going to, you're going to put us in bankruptcy. You're going to bankrupt the country. And, you know, there were a lot of people out there who were talking about, hey, if, if, the, if the United States defaulted on its debt, that, that would be economically, economically catastrophic. Well, guess what, folks? What, what do you think would be far more... Because far more of a catastrophe economically, something called bankruptcy or hyperinflation or any of those kinds of things where the value of the dollar, they've printed so many dollars and there's so much inflation that the value just keeps just starts dropping and dropping. That would be far, far more catastrophic than defaulting on a debt. Okay. And oh, one other thing on that before I jump to some other other key points, you know, I was listening to an economist, and he made a really, really good point. He said, you know, here's the deal. About 92% of government spending right now is revenues. So in other words, a debt amounts to about 8% at, the, at this point currently. It's going to increase, as I stated earlier. They did not come to an agreement. They make this big deal about this debt ceiling, and they, it's, it's, uh, it's almost it's like a crisis kind of thing. And 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 they get people all worked up and fired up, and it's like, hey, you know, we can't we can't afford to default on the debt. Um, can't afford to default. Well, guess what? If there had been no agreement, nothing really would have changed for quite some time. Why? Because again, about ninety-two percent of spending is revenues coming in. So as long as taxpayers kept paying into the system, revenues continued to be received. The government would be able to pay at least 92% of their bills. And the reality would be the other 8%, they would have to figure out what would not get paid. Just like you and I would. 
here's the situation. If you had a suddenly an 8% pay cut and you had a certain amount of bills and you, you can't pay them all, you can pay most of them, but you can't pay all of them, guess what you and I do as uh, individuals or business owners? We prioritize. By the way, we usually then start to cut back, make changes, do what we need to do to rectify the situation because we all have to be financially responsible. That's a requirement. If you're not financially responsible, you won't stay that way for very long because guess what? The credit card company is going to cut you off or the lenders, whoever it is, are going to cut you off. They're not going to have the ability. They're not going to give you the ability to continue to keep spending, unlike our government. I've said this often. Our government spends money like a drunken sailor. I kind of need to take that statement away. The reason I say that is this. It's a, I think it's a little bit uh, uh, negative to the uh, drunken sailor. I think the drunken sailor would have more fiscal responsibility than the spending we see in our current government leaders. And I'm talking about the last several decades, frankly, not just now. Why do I say that? Look, if the drunken sailor goes into a bar and he's, he, he got paid and he's spending his money, right, and he spends all his cash and he runs out, then he whips out his credit card, right, and he, he spends all that to his limit. And now he wants to buy another round of drinks, for example. But he's already hit his limit. He spent all his cash. He spent, he's hit his credit card limit. What's he going to do? The car, credit card is going to get declined. The credit card company is going to say, uh, sorry, buddy, no more. We're not going to allow you to spend any more. Well, our federal government, unfortunately, doesn't have a lender who says no. We're going to, well, in fact, like I said in the previous segments, this is the part that bothers me the most, is they eliminated any spending limits for the next two years. They have an uncapped, unlimited amount. You know, and no one to tell them no. Do you see that as a recipe for disaster? Look, they may surprise us. And like, I'll be the first to come out and say, gosh, if they manage to maintain some semblance of financial responsibility over the next two years, I will be absolutely and completely and totally shocked. Happily so. I would be happy if that, I would be happy to be shocked like that. I just don't see it. I don't believe it because, again, they get, their, they get their power, they get their control by, by spending more money, or the majority of them do. And really, again, what do, uh, what do most politicians want? Power, control, money. They want to get reelected, right? It's all that. So a few other key, key things uh, that are important folks need to know. You know, there's been a moratorium on the student loan um, payments for quite some time. In fact, uh, the Trump administration, Trump uh, stopped it for two, two times, and uh, Biden administrations continued on for six more times. Well, that, that actually finally stopped. Um, it's in law now. So student loan payments, will have, starting in August of 2023, folks will have to start paying back on their student loans. Um, that's one small po- positive I see in this bill in terms of uh, some financial responsibility. But on the converse of that, this uh, debt forgiveness thing that Biden wants to do, ten, twenty thousand dollars in student loan debt forgiveness, that was uh, that's still there, still in the system. And of course, the courts will probably settle that out, and it'll determine whether or not um, whether or not that'll actually go through or not. But they didn't take it away from Biden. Now, again, poor, poor, uh, my opinion, poor negotiation skills. Reality. The other one, the, the, the IRS thing where they were going to give them, uh, I don't know, something like $80 billion additional dollars to hire more IRS agents and all that kind of stuff. They pulled back a little bit on it, like 2%. I mean, it's a joke, frankly. So the IRS is going to receive a significant, or going to keep the significant, significant increase in funding they received in this, uh, in the, you know, a few months ago. And uh, in my opinion, the result's going to be more audits. And who are they going to audit? Well, let's face it. Anyone who itemizes their returns, so that's going to be, or the deductions, that is. So anyone who uh, does not take the standard deduction, you know, look, if you have a job 
and you take the standard deduction and you pay you pay your taxes out of your payroll checks and stuff each every couple of weeks. Pretty straightforward. Probably not going to see a lot of differences there. The people that are going to be affected are those that are independent contractors, business owners, investors, people like that who have significant deductions enough so that they itemize their deductions. So now they use the long form, not the standard short form. So if you're one of those people, keep really close, uh, you know, keep close, uh, you know, keep your receipts, tighten up your, uh, tighten up your financial receipts and all that stuff. You probably should anyway. I understand that. But the reality is the likelihood of you getting audited in the next three to five years has now increased exponentially because what are they going to do when they hire all these additional IRS agents? What are those agents going to do? They're not going to go after the high rollers, the high income people, because, you know, you got somebody who's making millions. They can afford to pay a, a tax attorney 10 or 20 or 100, 100 grand or more even to defend them, right? That's no big deal. You're making millions, right? I mean, not that they like it, but they can, it's part of doing business, right? But you make, you make 100 grand a year, let's say, and the IRS comes after you and says, hey, we think you owe five or 10 grand in taxes. The tax attorney will tell you the same thing. They'll say, look, it'll be cheaper just to pay the IRS than pay me to fight it. And the IRS knows that. And so they're, go, they're going to then collect additional taxes on a lot of people who are business owners, independent contractors, investors, et cetera, people who itemize, who have deduct, legitimate business deductible expenses. But they're going to go after them, and fighting them is going to cost more than it's worth. And in most of those, the majority of those cases, that's the facts, that's the statistics. The majority of those cases, those people are going to end up just paying those extra taxes because it costs more to fight than to do it. So they'll collect more revenues that way. And guess what? Those people just get to be punished more. Not like it's hard enough to be a small business owner as it is now in today's economy and environment and with increased government overreach, bureaucracy, and everything else. Now we'll get to have fun dealing with more audits and IRS agents. Won't that be lovely? Those are the kind of things that I see in this agreement deal that are also, frankly, concerns and things that I'm not happy with, do not like. And again, I don't like them because they hurt individuals. And in most cases, good quality people, yes, there's cheats out there. There's folks that take advantage of the system. But the reality is most people don't. Most people are pretty straight shooters, and they do the best they know how to do. I can say that. We're working with clients, hundreds and hundreds of clients for 20-plus years. They're just trying to do the right thing and provide a service or product or whatever if they're a business person, let's say, and make a living for their family and eventually put a little bit away and have enough so they can retire somewhat comfortably. That's all they're trying to accomplish. They're not out there trying to take advantage of anybody. In fact, they're trying to provide a service or product or, like I said, so that they can do, do uh, you know, make, make the people they work with lives a little bit better, Right. The more people you help, the more the more, more you benefit yourself, right? But, you know, that's not how our government looks at it. Anyway, I've got a cutoff. We've got a uh, hard break coming up here. I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned. The last segment, I've got, well, I've got another thing. You're going to love when I share with you what the Biden administration wants to do now. So don't miss it. Stay tuned for more Common Sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866 866- 268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Want more information? Contact Ference at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference, and yes, I have been sharing a lot, and I mean a lot, about the debt ceiling agreement and probably it more than maybe some of you want to hear. But again, I, I, I've been doing it because I, I truly believe that this is something that's so important that it's going to impact 
nearly everyone's lives, um, certainly economically, that it's it just it's important to know. And it is really hard. I've done a lot of research on it. It is hard to find some really truly accurate information about what's in the deal. So that's why I was sharing sharing some of these things. Because again, it is so difficult to even to find the media. They 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 gloss over a lot of things. They barely cover any real facts or information. And and many of them are biased as it is. So it's really hard to cut through the noise. Like I said, a little common sense. That's what I try to do here. And uh, yeah, that's why I've been doing it. And to say I'm frustrated is the under, understatement of the year. But we'll see what happens, won't we? We'll see how it plays out. Now, this next thing that the Biden administration wants to do is absolutely, it's, you know, it's one of those things like it's laughable, but it's not surprising. It's like you've got to be kidding me. So many of you remember a few months back where the administration was talking about cutting back on gas stoves because supposedly, quote, unquote, they were releasing too many, too much in the way of uh, admissions and things like that, right? And there was a big uproar about it, and they backed off because people got so upset. And then they kind of started getting more sneaky about it, frankly, uh, doing it through states and some other ways. They're, they haven't given up on the idea, folks. Well, in fact, now the newest, the newest thing is now they're preparing to target Americans' gas furnaces. In other words, about half of the current residential fur- furnaces on the market would be prohibited under this proposed regulation, which is similar to what originally about half the gas stoves that were on the market would be prohibited. In other words, you wouldn't be able to sell them or you wouldn't be able to buy them. Manufacturers wouldn't be able to make them and and, uh, people would not be able to buy them because they supposedly have some sort of emissions, you know, whatever. Folks, first thing I'm going to say, first and foremost is, what business does our government have in telling us what kind of furnace or stove or anything like that is we should have we can buy and use in our home? My opinion, none. This is government overreach at its worst. It's part of this green ener- green energy um, cult that's going on out there and continuing to do so. And I just find it frustrating and. It- it's it's ridiculous. It's it's annoying. It's foolish. It's stupid. It's the fact that we got to get worked up and frustrated and fight back on something as stupid as this is just you know really infuriating. Okay, our government. Where I'll ask this question: Where in the Constitution does it say our government has the right to limit what kind of gas stove, or what kind of gas stove we can use or buy? Or what kind of gas furnace we can use or buy? You know? None. Anyway, bottom line, by the way, natural gas, despite what they want you to think, is one of the cleanest sources and cheapest sources of energy out there, period. That is the scientific fact, okay? Plain and simple. And also, you notice a lot of these people that are pushing for these gas stove uh, restrictions have have them in their own home. So, you know, again, it's those rules for thee, but not for me. I want you to get rid of your gas stove or have to change or spend more money or whatever, but I'm going to keep using mine because, well, I'm special. <laughs> so, whatever. The second big issue I have about this is more economic. And the reality is this. By adding these extra restrictions, requirements, all this other stuff, cutting the availability in half, roughly, of what is even available that you can buy means one simple thing from an economic standpoint. And that answer is higher costs. Plain and simple. We're seeing it with electric cars. You know, I saw an article recently, one of the key uh, executives of one of the major car companies, I forget which one it was, stated that electric cars will not be as efficient or cost-effective as, as, as gas cars, I think this is a GM exec, as, as uh, gas cars for at least another five, he's, he said the next, another decade. The most optimistic predictions are saying in the next five or six years. In other words, even today with everything that's going on, with all the research, with all the incentives, with all the money that's been put into EVs, electric car vehicles, 
gas-powered vehicles are still more efficient, more cost-effective than they are, and, pro- and by the most optimistic estimates, that will be true for at least the next five, six years. This exact, car exact, stating is probably going to be the next decade. Let's be real. He's probably right. We'll see. My point is, by the government imposing these, re- these regulations, uh, imposing these ridiculous restrictions on something that's not a problem, okay? When was your, when, since when has your gas stove been a problem? Okay, when, since when has your gas furnace been a problem? Well, some over, uh, some bureaucrat who has, you know, getting paid to do little has to justify his, his, uh, his existence and his salary, right? And they've decided they're going to come up with something. So, and it kind of falls into their whole overall worldview that they should be in charge of everything and they should have more power over your life. And that's why I said this bloated bureaucracy, all this money that goes back to that debt ceiling thing, by spending all this money just encourages more and more and more of this kind of stuff, this overarching, overreaching government bureaucracy that just keeps interfering with our lives. Folks, I don't know about you, but I'm getting really, really tired of it. I mean, I was tired of it a long time ago, but I'm, I'm kind of an early adopter. I kind of react to things. I, I might be a little more sensitive than most. I get that. Part of that's from my background. I've shared that many times in my family background, my dad escaping the, from the Soviets, for example, literally risking his life to do so, so that he could and escape to this country as a political refugee and became a citizen, did it right, did, did everything the right way, right? So I've, I've been close to it. I've been closer to it maybe than most, and maybe that's why partially why I'm more sensitive to it than most. But my hope is that more and more of you are getting sick and tired of this too. Are you sick and tired of the nanny state? Are you t- sick and tired of government bureaucrats sticking their nose in your business, you know, telling you what kind of gas stove or gas furnace you can have or purchase or use? I mean, are you tired of that yet? Are you, are you tired of being treated like a little kid, like a two-year-old? Look, I get it. When, when my girls were little, I had to protect them from the gas stove and tell them not to put their hands on the stove because they'd get burnt. They were two or three, all right? I'm not a two-year-old. I think I can figure it out. I can figure out what kind of stove, what kind of furnace, or what kind of car is best for me and my family. I don't need some bureaucrat up in Washington telling me what I can and can't do. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm just I'm fed up to it past my eyeballs. And I know us. there's other people that feel the same way. And I'm just hopeful that there's enough of you out there that are starting to feel the same way and are just getting exacerbated by all of this. In fact, I saw an article by Victor Davis Hansen. I thought, and if you haven't read anything on this guy or looked up, he's a very interesting, uh, I don't know what his, what, his, uh, what his title is really. He's kind of a, I, uh, I don't know. But he's, he says a lot of things that make a lot of sense. And he's written an article recently here that really, how should I say, that really delves into this very issue of the of the is the sleeping conservative dragon dragon finally waking up, and as he states here, conservatives and traditionalists are often exacerbated, and that's such a good word, are often exacerbated at the ongoing woke cultural revolution in their midst. You know, how can America be turned upside down when there's little public support for the things that are surrounding us? I mean, here's the reality. How many people out there really want the government imposing, telling us that half the gas stoves or furnaces or anything like that is unavailable to us and we cannot purchase them, use them, buy them, whatever? How many out there really want that? My guess, my experience tells me a very tiny percentage. The vast majority of us just want to be left alone. Just leave us alone. And that is why the excessive spending 
frustrates me so bad. That's the core of it, folks. It's really, that's the core. Why? Because if you have more IRS agents, if you have more bureaucrats, if you have more money for more government, what is the end result? More interference, more overreach, more intrusiveness into our lives. And that is why, that's where the true frustration for me comes from, is we're going to see more and more of this because we have record levels of spending that's going to continue for at least the next two years. And the only way to stop it, the only way, is 51% of us have got to figure it out and say, you know what, enough's enough, we're fed up, no more, and either you support somebody or vote somebody who's going to spend less so we have less interference in our lives, or you run, you know, or get get rid of the one that's there that's doing, adding to the problem, adding to the spending, adding to the bureaucracy, adding to the interference, adding to the overreach. That's what I'm talking about. Look, if you want some freedom from some of this, at least get away from the government retirement system. There's rules coming out with IRAs and 401ks I don't have time to go into today that going to be more interference, folks. If you want to escape some of that and get some control of your money, contact me about your personal bank because it can do that. It's your money. You control it. You have access. You have guarantees. You can, uh, it, you can you eliminate the tax and the future tax burden. Who knows what that's going to be? Get positive arbitrage. Have your money go farther for you. Make it work. You need to make more money just to maintain the lifestyle with higher inflation. All of those things. By all means, contact me. And as always, I encourage you to stay tuned to the Your Personal Bank Show next week. And as long as it's still on our money, I'm going to say this. In God, we trust. Listen Tuesdays at noon and Saturdays at 1 to the Your Personal Bank Show for more information. Contact Ferris at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guests of this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Some products discussed may have limitations and not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. For current rates, contact Ferentz at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.